Welcome to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin Solomon, Senior Rabbi of Congregation Beth Hillel in Roswell, Georgia. Beth Hillel is one of the largest Messianic Jewish synagogues in the world and provides a place where Jewish people can find the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus in Hebrew, and retain their Jewishness. It's also where Gentiles worship and embrace the roots of the faith in drawing closer to God. Click the link in the description to support this ministry or to view our YouTube channel. Let's join Rabbi Kevin now as he shares this word from Scripture. We are really ha- pleased uh, today to have a special uh, set of guest speakers here for you, and uh, and they're ve- they're they're kind of like family uh, in many ways for me because uh, of, of my longtime connection to their family uh, and my family's connection to their family. And in fact, we were talking a little bit right before the service that there's a lot of similarities between kind of the generations of our families and kind of what's happened and. In uh, the most beautiful of ways, uh, and and truthfully, of course, I've known the the Sokoram family and the ministry of my O's. Bethel has been a supporter of my O's for man many decades. I mean, we first started. It's been many decades now, and uh, and have known, of course, uh, Rabbi Ari and Shira Sokoram, who uh, many of you know, uh, who founded my O's and and such the ministry out of Tel Aviv, Israel. It's one of the largest, if not the largest, messianic ministry in Israel. They. They, Mao's ministry, uh, I like to say, does a lot of uh, a lot of bl- blocking and tackling in the messianic uh, ministry in Israel. Now, if the, if you're not a football guy, that means nothing to you. Kobe totally gets that. Uh, uh, but but basically, what I mean by that is that you need people who are going to to do some of the infrastructure that's important to enable the body to function, right? And so, uh, a couple of things that Mao's does is, for example, they they have a ministry to bless believers in Israel financially who are going through it uh, to, to help support them. Uh, and, and see, that's, that's helping the foundation. My gosh, that's needed right now. They also do things that are just so unsung that I love, uh, and they, and such as they take a, a lot of the solid, known, um, powerful, uh, believing books, books written by believers, say, here in America and other places around the world, and they get them translated into Hebrew and publish them there. You know, you can't just uh, hit a button. It, the translation doesn't work like that. You've got to hire translators, then you've got to publish it. And the Messianic body is so small in Israel, but they need these materials in order to, to build up the body. Uh, and, and they're learning about the Lord and such with some of the classics. This is part of what Maoz does, too. Maoz does so much uh, wonderful ministry, their, their video ministry, their news their newsletter is one of my favorites. I'm, I'm, I'm singing their praises for good reason. But in any case, Rabbi Orange, Rabbi Orange, Shira Sokaram were the founders, and uh, and I've uh, they're very dear to my heart. Why? Because when I was training to be a rabbi, uh, I spent uh, some time. Our family moved to Israel for a while, uh, and and while we were there, uh, Ari was one of the the lead messianic leaders in Israel that I submitted myself to 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 learn and to uh, kind of get to some discipleship and some mentorship under. And so he took me under his wing, and I spent 
a long time with, with uh, Ari, and it was morning to night. He just said, you just tag along with me and just kind of watch me. This is when I was in training, and let me tell you, I learned so much. We had so many good experiences, and, and he has such a heart of gold, of course, as, as you guys know well, and, and he told me, he, has, he influenced me in ways that influence all of you because you're part of Beth Hillel, and, uh, and, and he said, I want, I want to tell you, is, it's so interesting, I love, uh, and this is Shani's father, by the way, you're going to one of the things he said to me is when he was training me, such a learned, experienced leader, he said, I'm going to try in my time with you, I'm going to try to teach you as many of my mistakes as I can. <laughs> and I thought, wow. He said, you know, he said that this way you can learn off of my mistakes. And, you don't. And, and I thought, wow, how very interesting and, of course, profoundly humble as he is because most leaders say, well, let me show you about how I do it right and how I've just got everything together. And and, but he, he was sharing with me his mistakes, and so pretty impressive. So I learned a lot. I have a lot of love for this family. But the Lord has been doing something exciting in my eyes, and I'm really thrilled about it because it's, it's been time for a transition. Of course, uh, Shira also, uh, Ari's uh, wife, a legend in her own right, an incredible writer. Uh, and so these two have, have passed on and have been passing on the ministry of Ma'oz to their daughter, Shani, and her husband, Kobe. Kobe and Shani have done such a wonderful job as they've been moving into the leadership of Ma'oz over the last few years, and it's basically complete uh, the transition, and wow, it is in good hands. And it's just such a beautiful thing, isn't it, to see? And that's why I said we, we share some things, because, of course, that's what happened with my parents, who are legends in the Messianic movement, of course, and they uh, passed on the, the mantle, if you will, uh, to, our, to us, Tiffany and I, and, uh, and you can see what the Lord has been doing. The Lord is doing the same thing with these guys through Ma'oz. So I'm really encouraged about that. It's such a blessing. They are wonderful people. Uh, and, and they've got a word uh, from the Lord for you. And also they'll probably give us just a little update about what's going on in Israel right now. A lot of things we need to be in prayer for. Okay, so how about that by way of introduction? All right, let's welcome Kobe and Shani Ferguson, everybody. Let's give them a big hand. <laughs> Need to, you to come around and introduce me everywhere we go. Shalom, everyone. Shalom, shalom. Shabbat shalom. All of you here and all of you watching uh, online, virtually, we can see you uh, in, the, in the spirit by faith. So it's really awesome being here. Uh, I was here a couple of years ago with my father-in-law, and we were just kind of in the middle of the process, which we have just completed as of January 1st, um, I'm now the president and CEO of Maos, and my, I, so I am uh, president and CEO, and my wife has the great distinguishing honor of being the boss, so that's, uh, you know, that's the way it works around the Messianic circles, but you know, she's officially the CCO, the chief creative officer, and we have amazing, th you know, you, you mentioned what's happening in Israel, and I'll tell you in a nutshell, during um, COVID, you know, of course, it hit us a little bit earlier than it did uh, here, and it was pretty intense. Uh, I, I think they might have erred on the side of, you know, being safe and different things. I think different areas handled it differently because right in the beginning, we didn't know. We didn't know how, how intense it would be, and there were, they didn't want to overrun uh, Israel's kind of more meager infrastructure and things in terms of the medical apparatus there. 
And so it hit right before uh, Passover season. So we had the first ever Zoom over in history, right? I mean, that's what a lot of us were doing. And it was just kind of bizarre. It was kind of weird as I look at all of you with your masks on. You know, it's still in that season. Uh, but re really, and we feel this is not a plug for what we're doing. It's a plug for what the Lord has done really through my in-laws and uh, decades. You know, the ministry is 45 years old next next uh, year. It's really amazing. So we are able to see so many more people helped than we have ever been able to. For many years, we run a uh, humanitarian arm called I Stand With Israel. If you've ever heard of I Stand With Israel, that's the humanitarian arm of Maos. And during this crisis, we said, we've got to do something to help. People are uh, literally locked away. I mean, they took it seriously. There were drones uh, uh, following people if they went too far from their homes. I mean, Israel uh, really took it seriously. And so people uh, didn't know what to do. A lot of people were out of work, and the government was very slow to respond. There wasn't really government for a period of time. We haven't really had a proper government in a while in Israel. So uh, we didn't know what to do. The government wasn't really giving any kind of stimulus help or anything for almost two months. And so Ma'oz really got to work. And it's really interesting, just a side note, in crises like these, sometimes the most unsung heroes, the people you never see, the guy that does the cabling for the infrastructure for your Zoom meetings or your, your live services, the guy who's never seen, he becomes very, very important. For us, it was the bookkeepers, the accountants, different people like this that you never really saw. I, I went to them and said, hey, how can we send as much money as possible to as many people in the body as we can, hundreds and hundreds of families, because some people were literally running out of food and had no money. And the Lord just enabled us to do things. And at one point, and I'll just say this to shut up in my little plug about my O's, but just because of your support, I also want people to know what it's going to. And during times like this, uh, funds are going to people that really, really need it on the ground. And it's a miracle. And one of the banks told us, they said, you know, you're Ma'o's, this Ma'o's group, whoever you guys are, you're the only people sending money right now to anyone in Israel. And I just took that as a, as a, as a word of uh, praise and honor to the Lord and what he's doing through the whole body of Messiah because we really feel linked into the body worldwide. So that's just a little bit of what's been happening and of course, uh, there's always, you know, hey, we're, we're used to terrible politics in Israel. So I, we, we feel for you guys right now. I just, I'll just say that much. So I wanted to share a little bit from where Shani and I were praying and on our, we've come from Dallas. We flew into, we have our uh, United States offices based in Dallas and we traveled from Dallas to uh, uh, Louisiana, I'm trying to remember all. We went Houston, Louisiana, then to the Gulf uh, Shore area, then in uh, near Alabama, then up to the Atlanta area. And during all these travels, I was praying about what what to share with you all. And, and the phrase came to us based on the parasha, on the Torah tour portion for this week. Uh, we heard kind of in chapter 26 of Genesis today, but it begins a little bit before that. And, and uh around 25 and a little bit after. And we, it, the main portion I think that we're getting out of this is uh, the, the situation with Jacob and Esau, with Yaakov, 
you know, and, and all the, <laughs> this sibling rivalry, which in some ways is still brewing today, right? And we see the repercussions of it. And I, we really felt this phrase kind of hit us that you either are going to feed them. So I love being in the South. I can add the posh for E-M to just about anything, right? So f- feed them or eat them, all right? I'll just kind of explain what some of that means in, in a second, but we just, I'll read the one part of the parasha that um, I'm relating to right now. And this is in Genesis 25, 30 through 34. So Esau said to Jacob, please feed me some of this really red stuff. I'm reading from the TLV. I really, it's a cool translation. It's uh, messianic in nature. He said, feed me some of that really red stuff because I'm exhausted. And this is why he is called Edom. Very interesting. We'll go back to that. So Jacob said, sell your birthright to me. I mean, that's kind of like a real big stretch, right? Uh, your brother's tired. So just, you know, give me the inheritance from your forefathers and, and all your generations after you for this red stuff, you know? And so he says, okay. He says, look, I'm about to die, Esau says. What did this birthright to me? Jacob said, make a pledge to me now. And then we know that he actually did it. And Esau ate it. And so it says, so Esau despised his birthright. You, there's, there's so many directions we could go in this uh, conversation. But I wanted to focus on this one part among a few others. So he is called Ed Edom. And I was talking with, with uh, Yoel. So how many of you know the Rats family here? They've been an awesome host to us. Our, some of our best friends from Israel. They came to be a blessing here. To Beth Hillel from Israel, been here for a few years now. And uh, we were talking about it. I said, you know, it could have been the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. We could literally be saying that now. I know there's a prophetical thing and there's this, that, and the other. You know, so, so bear with me, okay? And then I was talking with y'all. I said, well, who knows that the prophetical insight and foresight that the Lord had couldn't have been for Esau. And so, because right after this, the Lord gives his promise that we just read, right, for Isaac. And then the blessing was stolen. So it's really an amazing whole kind of portion here. The Lord deals with Rivka, with Rebecca, and Jacob. Okay, so the way they went about doing things was, um, was taken care of. Okay, so the Lord didn't really necessarily, I think, bless all the d- dynamics and the maneuvers that Yaakov did, right? And Yaakov meaning, really, it's kind of an interesting word also in Hebrew to, to kind of follow after, or some people say surplant, or it's really the, comes from the word also the heel. The base of the word is the heel, because uh, he grabs Esau's heel, right? There are twins in the room, in the womb coming out, and he's following also after him, who, who yakevarai, right? right? He's coming after me, you would say in Hebrew. So it's kind of a play on words. But it's really interesting to note, these two brothers were destined to have a new name added to their uh, name, what they were called, for forever. Yaakov becomes Israel. Israel, from the best we can know, it's one of these, also it's a, you know, we were talking about Hebrew and some of the subtleties, and some of it is very mysterious. The best we can tell, it means prince of God, right? Prince of Adonai. Uh, Israel, Edom, 
then his name was changed to coming from the root word of Adom, red, or Adam, man. It's all coming from the red clay of, of creation is kind of the concept here. But it, it's fascinating that the thing this man ate to give up his future birthright, his inheritance, was what he became known as and his future generations, Edom. It says now these people are known as Edom. Jacob starts to become known as Israel, or what is a prince, son of the king, right? So we have a, a huge thing that could have happened here for Esau, and I know the Lord says, I hated Esau, and I feel like, just to give a caveat, I think uh, we see that there was a reconciliation that occurred there, and I, and I feel like the Lord puts that in Scripture for us to know that things got worked out. But it's, there's still consequences to this day. And then later, even when the birthright was taken uh, by force or by deceivery, have trickery, however you want to look at it, even when that occurs, we see that even he despises what his father uh, had done. And even later, um, um, Yitzchak and uh, Rivka, uh, Isaac and Rebekah, tell, tell their son, they said, hey, don't go, tell Yaakov, don't go among the Canaanites to get really Ishmael's sons and daughters. Don't get your daughters among the Canaanites. Go to this other uh, landing of the Aramites. And so, and what happens? Esau hears about this and says, that's where I'm going to go, Dafka. How do we say in Hebrew, Dafka? This is in spite of father. Uh, my, oh, so my father doesn't want me to have wives among the Canaanites, and, and that's exactly where he got his wives from. So we see his heart really is exposed in these dynamics. I think that's why the Lord says in scriptures later on that and Esau hated. He hated this concept of people that are not desirous of God's um, ancestry, of his inheritance, of the blessing of the Lord. So it wasn't just that he despised Isaac, is the point I'm trying to make here. What we see is that Esau despised the plan of God from the beginning of time and for the ages of all humanity. That's why God wasn't very happy with it. He said, I've created a group of people and I've blessed this man, Abraham, to be a father of the nations, to bring the line of Messiah through, to redeem all mankind. And that's a pretty big deal, and you're despising that. It's not just despising his father's wishes, or the, he was hating the things that happened to him from his brother. He was despising the plan of God for the ages and for mankind. So it's a pretty big deal. And it, it, as I was reading this, it kind of reminded me of, we were talking with you all again. Let me talk to you when I'm preparing messages more. It's, it's good stuff comes out. So I was thinking about how he, Yaakov and his mother went about things, like I said, the Lord dealt with it later. You guys can study that on your own pretty harshly. You know, having a, a limp forever, uh, the rest of your life is a pretty big part of it. There's other things that also happen. But it, it, it's just, it's the nature of the Lord. He wants people to go after him. He wants people to press through difficulties. You know, and some of you who are um, business owners, family you're dealing with, one of the hardest things to deal with 
is apathy, right? When you don't, as somebody that is indifferent, adishut, somebody that just, you know, you don't know where they stand on an issue. You'd almost just rather them, you know, disagree with you than being somewhere in the middle, right? You can't, it's something that's hard to deal with. And I feel like the Lord over and over and over again has declared that to us. He hates, you know, the, the lukewarm. Uh, you know, he'd rather you be one way or another, and there's other ways to look at it. But I feel like this is what he's trying to say here in this scripture. In uh, Matthew eleven twelve, 12, Yeshua says something very fascinating. From the days of Yohanan, the Mercer, until now, the kingdom of heaven is treated with violence or suffering violence. And the violent grasp hold of it reminds us of somebody, right? And the violent grab a hold of it and say, no, that's mine. That's my blessing. It's kind of a crazy scripture. The Lord is saying that heaven suffers violence. I mean, there there's, uh, should be some word studies done in there, y'all. You can do that later. You can come back and fix uh, some of this. But what we see is what the Lord is after, he, the, the, the core of the matter here, is that he wants people to go after something. Yes, he wants us to go about it the right way, but sometimes there can be paralysis analysis and we're waiting to do something so correctly that we don't do anything. And I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure Rabbi Kevin would uh, would appreciate you doing things uh, and with certain decorum in a certain way. But I'm, I'm sure oh, some of you guys. So he didn't ask me to say this. This is his bonus points. He's waiting for you guys to do something. Or maybe not here. Maybe you all here are great. Maybe it's just somebody watching. Okay, so we'll we'll get away with it that way. It's easier. You hear it said so many times. It's easier to steer a moving vehicle than a parked car. It's it's easier to get things going. And I, I can tell you, as a as a person with five children, uh, sometimes those who are more active in the family uh, can drive me a little bit more crazy. But there's something about that dynamic of my little one who wakes me up at crazy hours and jumps on the bed and says, I love you. Okay, so, you know, uh, could he have waited to tell me he loved me when it was the appropriate time to do that? Yes. But there's something about that that stirs my heart, and I just might do a little bit more for him that day than some of the others who I have to pull off the couch with a giant spatula. You know what I'm saying? The Lord is wanting us to go after something more. And I feel like this season that he is saying that to us. It, it also was reminding me of the days of Hezekiah. I was studying that. You can read more of the passage in Isaiah chapter 39, verse 6 through 8. How many of you know the passage where Hezekiah is foolish and he opens up his home to the Babylonians and shows them everything that says the Lord has done for him. Maybe some of that was based out of, out of excitement. Maybe some of it, the Lord doesn't tell us all of his motives. But it was foolish because it was a sense of pride that he wanted to basically brag on what all he had. And the prophet Isaiah says, don't you realize now the judgment from God is going to be that they're going to take all this stuff away? Because you have lifted your heart and you are haughty against showing them what you had done, basically. And so when 
and there's, there's a, it's a longer portion of scripture before this and a little bit after. Um, a little bit before that, he's sick, right? And he, he begins to intercede for more life. He's dying and he begins to pray. And the, the prophet Isaiah comes and says, the Lord's heard your cries. He's, I mean, long story short, I'm going to add 15 more years of your life. And so I think it's a divine setup here. At the end of this, this passage, then Hezekiah said to Isaiah, because it says, all these things are going to happen. They'll be taken away. There'll be eunuchs in the place of the king of Babylon. And these are, this, all these things are going to happen to your descendants, is what's told Hezekiah. And Hezekiah's response was this. He said, the word of the Lord which you've spoken is good. For he thought, there's going to be peace and shalom and security in my days. Okay, I'm not going to be here when all these things happen. This is good. Because in my days, I'm, gonna, I'm still going to be hooked up and have all this stuff and live like a king. Let it fall on my children, my children's children. This, I think he, there was a moment of opportunity where him to say, wait a minute, I interceded for my own life. What if I intercede for my descendants right now? What if I plead for God, Lord, let it come upon me and not them. The Lord was waiting for that same spirit to come about. I'm just, I'm sure of it. So these are some of the examples in scripture of Men and went basically fathers who weren't getting the heart of the father. Okay. And I want to go now into a couple of scriptures. Then I want to sh share with you a few practical things of what we're doing. And my wife can also come and give some ideas of how we're doing it. I, I want to say this for a second. I appreciate those who are diving into Torah, Messianic, he Hebraic. Jewish roots, whatever you want to call it. In Israel, it's a little bit easier to refer to, right? Because we're in Israel, you know, we're, we're in the thing. But even in Israel, sometimes there's a, a disdain for the inheritance and the birthright. And it drives us cotton-picking crazy. So I can say phrases like that, too, that I can't say outside of the South. You know, because you're saying these are the tools God has given us to be able to connect with him for long term. And he's trying to tell, I think, the body of Messiah, Jews and Gentiles worldwide, giving us tools to be able to help the, our descendants. When it just struck me that, that Esau eats the very thing that becomes the nomenclature, what his descendants are known for. It's just fascinating. It's like he ate their inheritance. He devoured his children and their children's children. And yes, there was a reconciliation that happened with Yaakov, but these people, he marries with the daughters of Ishmael, and they become a people that have been in conflict and war and because they split off into different nations and different things. So at some point, his descendants are involved in every conflict you see in the Middle East to this day. It's fascinating, and it starts with a bowl of some red stuff. Didn't even tell you. It says Lindell's later, but he says, give me that red stuff there. He didn't even know what it was. He didn't even know what it was. So I started thinking, were there other people that blew it like this? I mean, give me some redemption stories, please, Lord. You know, We've all blown it. And if there's any kind of conviction that says, yeah, you know, kind of, 
I think we've all sold out our future in some ways at some point along the way, right? You know what I'm saying? All of us have. We have a new covenant, and praise the Lord for it, where there is uh, the blood of Yeshua that speaks loudly for us. It doesn't throw anything away. It doesn't diminish anything that the Lord did before and all the covenants before, but it gives us a stronger hope in some ways that folks didn't have before. In many ways, look at Shimon Kepha, John chapter 21, verse 15 and 17. So when they finish breakfast, I love how Yeshua feeds them breakfast. That's just something pretty cool about that. So uh, Yoel and Eva, you guys are getting close to that, though, so... Uh, when they finished breakfast, Yeshua said to Shimon Kepha, you, you all know, I'm sure, this passage. He said, do you love me more than these? And Shimon said, yes, you know that I love you. He said, feed my lambs. Then he said a second time, Shimon, do you really love me? And he said again, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And he said it again. The third time he became grieved because he said to him, do you love me? Basically, this is a, a redemptive act of the three times he uh, refused and renounced and denied the Lord of glory. He said to, to them the third time, he said, you know, Lord, I love you. you know, I mean, you're sh I'm sure he's weeping at this point. You know, he's grabbing him. He's, you know, Simon is another one, by the way. You know that I love you. Yeshua said, feed my sheep. This redemptive act for all of us who have blown it is to feed the future generations. Feed them. It doesn't matter how bad we've blown it. When we feed them the word of God or an act of kindness or, or giving them a job, there's a lot of different things that this could mean to you specifically, personally. I'm going to bring it in the context of family because I believe that that's one of the main things that is uh, missing right now is how, to, how do we bring things from generation to generation in a way that grows stronger. I believe this congregation stronger your parents were amazing. They did amazing things, but you're taking it further, and that's the grace of God on you to do that. And by God's grace, we will do the same thing uh, with this ministry called Ma'os. These were pioneers in the eyes of the Lord, and we're standing on their shoulders, and we're not unaware of that. But the Lord is going to give us grace to do even more by his name, Bezrat Hashem, by his help. When you feed the next generations, I want you to realize, it does, does, it, does it take away all the wrongs we might have done? No. Redemptive act I want to point out here that the Lord wants us to do as we begin to pour in to the next generation. I, I've talked to a lot of Israelis that said, you know, it would have been great to um, have a foundation to minister from. Talk to Israelis who are artists and worship. We have a recording studio. We do a lot with um, music. A lot of the music that you guys were doing today, we work with a lot of the artists. We need to talk with you guys a little bit later about some of that. Uh, and some of those guys have come to us and said, it's like we're hitting a reset button in every generation. When it could be growing and developing from generation, right? From generation to generation. That's what the Lord has intended. So I want to point out a huge example to us of somebody who got it right. His father, Father Abraham. Abraham, 
made also many mistakes. All, all the fathers in some ways were knuckleheads. Can I say that? Is that a little, is that, you know, that might be uh, sacrilegious to say, but, you know, they did crazy things. And you're reading how Isaac, in this same passage, how he gives his wife, you know, uh, uh, um, the same way. And you go, wait a minute, am I reading a couple chapters ago? It's the same thing his father did. It's, it's, um, it's amazing. They had some of the same mistakes, but the Lord loved how they went after it. Like Shimon Kepha, like Simon, like Peter. He went after it. He was willing to go on the water. I mean, you know, that, that's pretty intense. That's somebody who's willing to go after it. I bet that, you know, they made fun of him you know, for the rest of his life with that a little bit. But he said, yeah, hey, but don't make fun of me too much. I got a few steps in before, I, you know, I, I, I bailed. I just want to say a few minutes, and I want Shani to come give some practical things of what we feel the Lord has shown us. I would rather you go after this in, in building family than do nothing at all. Let's make some mistakes along the way in building up each other, right? I, I look at the Rats family. They've been bringing people in their homes. They've been doing all kinds of amazing things. And they're the first to say, look, we're trying to figure out some of these things. My wife and I, with five kids, we've learned a few things, but we can tell you, hey, we're making a lot of mistakes along the way. Just like my father-in-law told Kevin, Rabbi Kevin, he said, look, you know, let's go through some of the mistakes so we can avoid them. But we're not going to be able to avoid them totally. This is what the Lord spoke over Abraham. And we were talking again about the Hebrew uh, the, the words here actually say something very profound. For I have made, this is Genesis 18, 19. This is actually the reason the Lord chose Abraham. It says, for I've made myself known to him so that he will command his sons and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice so that Adonai may bring upon Abraham all that he's spoken about. him. It's amazing, by the way, another... Side note for, for, for our future word study, if you want, the, this is the first time the word justice is ever mentioned in the scriptures, is in context of family, first time. It's powerful. The Lord chose Abraham because he would be a good dad, be a good father. Not just knew how to play games and knew how to do, he would know how to pass something on to the generations to follow that would go on forever. He would do something that would become eternal. And the line of Messiah could come through. And the redemption of all mankind could come through that line. That's one man. There's others that got it right. Not that he was perfect, but he was willing to go after it and seek the Lord of what it means to be a father, a mother, a person of generations. It doesn't matter where you are and what sphere of life. You can pass things on to the future generation. You want to come up and share a few things? Come on the, come on the call. We've come 8,000 miles, so I'm going to give you a couple more minutes, right? You can. So I want to tie a few things in that he's talking about. The feed him or eat him, which was like a fantastic, I was like, yes, rhymes is about identity. If we don't feed our children or uh, future generations or our communities their identity, 
they will eat the garbage. And I know that a lot of people, at least in, in our background, um, were drawn to, you know, outreach and all sorts of, you know, going on the streets and witnessing or, you know, finding pet projects to, you know, to take on. And in that process, they would neglect family. And as a mother of five, I can understand that. There's some days you're like, I need to go find somebody else to minister to because it's just going to be so powerful and they're going to listen to me and they're going to want to know what I have to say. You know, my kids at home are like, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. No, I don't want to clean up my room. Right. So, so family is messy and whatever God was thinking when he designed the family is what we need to figure out because it is the most important thing to him. And I wanted to share a story of when, uh, when our kids were younger, I think we only had three, maybe four at the time, but we took them to, there's a house of prayer in Jerusalem. Um, and we were involved, involved with them and you take these two hour slots and we thought, you know what, let's do a family prayer watch. Okay. Not a kid's prayer watch. Not like, you know, come drop your kids off and we're going to do lots of noise and stuff, but an actual family prayer watch where the parents come and pray with the kids. So we were going to practice this ourselves and we're all excited about this and we're getting revelation about family and passing things on, you know, and he, he got this thing about, you know, Abraham and God, this, this process that we didn't get a chance to get into, but just how he chooses him and he's like talking about future generations. And he said, you know, I chose you because you're going to pass on to your, to the next generation and you're going to teach them in such a way that they're going to pass on to the next generation. And this is the core fundamental must of the message of God, because if you get all the revelation and you don't pass it on, who cares a hundred years from now, nobody else knows your revelations. So passing it on is crucial, crucial. So anyway, so we go to this house of prayer and we get our kids together and, you know, we do some songs and then we're like, okay, we're going to pray. And we're doing this cycle every, you know, 15 minutes, song, pray, song, pray. And we're going to pray for their spouses and their children. And we're like, we got all these hopes, right? So about five minutes into our two hour watch, you know, the kids are climbing over the chairs and they're like running up to the stage, like climbing on the monitors. They knocked over a mic and we're just like, we're like, wait, stop. Holy, you know? <laughs> and so, um, I was very, very happy. There was no one at the, um, place that day. And I just remember like, it was just two hours of gritting our teeth and being like, okay, okay, come on, we're gonna do another song. And then, you know, we're gonna dance and we're gonna worship. And, and it was messy and they were, they started playing catch at some point. And I just remember two hours into it, it was like, okay, let's put their shoes on, take them home and just lock them up in a room for next week, right? So, uh, and, and at one point, our daughter and we're finding all the shoes that have, you know, emerged in all different corners of the room. And our oldest daughter is, uh, she must've been maybe six or seven at the time. She's putting her shoes on and she goes, I feel so close to God. <laughs> and I just looked at her and I thought, when, <laughs> when did this happen? Because I don't feel close to God right now. 
And I really felt like the Lord showed, because we just kept going back every week. We're like, we're just going to go back. And we, I, we saw it improve and they learned how to pray and they learned how to worship and they, you know, would focus on these things. And I, but I just remember the Lord just quickening to me, you know, it, when, 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 um, Yeshua is speaking the, the proverbial the sermon on the Mount, you know, blessed are the peacemakers. And, uh, at one point it says the disciples were rebuking the kids because they were running up to, I don't, I always thought that happened at the end. I don't think they have, I know Israeli kids that happened all throughout. He's like, blessed are that. Hey, Hey, how's it going? Right. So they're like, you know, holy words are being said. This is going to be remembered for thousands of years. No, they probably didn't know all that, but they're rebuking these kids. And Yeshua is saying, what gives like the whole kingdom is for this. He wasn't scared of the mess. He, the Holy Spirit, this whole like Holy Spirit's a gentleman and he flies away if like a baby cries. I don't, I don't buy that. Like, I think it, maybe we get distracted, but God is not scared of the mess. He said the kingdom of God is for the children. So there's no way he would have made children as wild as he made them and then somehow be nervous about being around them. And so this was something that really encouraged me. And I really want to encourage you, you know, some of you have grandkids this, this is something you can still pass on to your grandkids. This is something that I do with my parents. I say, sit down and tell my kids stories of your life. Pass on the stories of amazing things that happened. I used to sit down with my grandmother and I'd say, I want to hear the stories. I want to know what happened because I want to be able to pass it on. I want to be able to pass on this strong sense of identity. If somebody asks me about myself, I start with my grandma did such and such. And then my mother did such and such. I don't, my identity under, my understanding of my identity understands that people hundreds of years ago, their decisions affect me being here today. And a hundred years from now, should the Lord tarry, our children and their children's lives are going to be affected by the decisions I make today. Have you ever got, have you guys are, they have magnificent oak trees in the South planted by people who never got to enjoy them the way we do. And this right here is the feed em or eat em. You want your children and their children a hundred years from now, the future congregants a hundred years from now of Beth Hillel to enjoy the fruit that you're going to be, the seeds that you're going to be sowing and the fruit that you're going to be bearing in your lifetime. So that is the practical, do not be afraid of the family and the mess because God's not, God's not scared of it. Thank you. Wow. Mess. <laughs> That's the mess we're in right now. That's good. Thank you so much. Wow. Did you enjoy that? Let's give these guys a hand. That was wonderful. Wow, what a blessing, and I love that very practical teaching uh, and, and things that we can use, and, and, and I think inspiring, especially for this world that we live in, uh, and, uh, and, and let's, just, let's just take a moment of prayer before uh, I bring Michael back up. Michael, you can come up back up on stage. Avina Shabbat my Father in heaven, humbly we come before you, God, and, and Lord, please let us take these words uh, and, and, and put them into action in our lives, Lord, and, and I think about... 
uh, Jacob and, and Esau, and, and, and Lord, let us, let, us, uh, let us embrace that that you have entrusted to us, right? <laughs> let, us, let us really uh, uh, just learn to uh, follow, Lord, the path that you have for us, God. There's a path that you have for us, a direction, the guidance that you have, Lord, and we, we want to we take the right path, Lord. Your word is a lamp into our feet, a light into our path. And Lord, I thank you for that, and, and let us recognize really the legacy of, of, that Shani was talking about as well, Lord, and, and that, that sometimes it's not uh, quite in the structure that we think it should be. Wow, is that not a word for today or what? I mean, uh, not much in 2020 has gone according to plan, but yet uh, it's not our plan. <laughs> it's, it's all about your plan anyway. So Lord, please go, continue to guide us and direct us and recognize that if, if any year could illustrate what Kobe and Shani were talking about, it's this year, uh, Lord, and how we need to stay steadfast, uh, God, because of what the future holds. And if you're here today or if you're watching uh, online and you've never dedicated your life to God, then you talk about a way to do it and an important time to do it. It's thinking about you your children, your children's children, and, and just even the rest of your own life and, and what the Lord's going to do. If you've never said a prayer to receive Yeshua into your heart, repeat this prayer after me right now, and God will change you on the inside. Just say, Dear God, I humbly come before you. I ask Yeshua to come into my heart, Lord. I believe he's risen again, sitting at your right hand. Please forgive me of my sins, God. I'm sorry. I'll live the rest of my days for you, Lord. And God, I want to embrace that which you have for me, Lord, my, my inheritance that you have given me. Uh, Lord, please, God, uh, I want to inherit it, and I want to, to move within it. Thank you, God, in Yeshua's name. If you said that prayer for the first time, send us an email, if you would, just to let us know. We, we, want, we will be very encouraged. We want to encourage you as well. Thank you so much, and, and I encourage everybody. Again, it's such a wonderful Work of God, Maoz, um, and uh, and so uh, for sure, um, be in, be encouraged uh, as as uh, and pray for them. Will you? We pray for Maoz. We all of you who are here, let's pray for the ministry of Maoz and what they're doing uh, in the land of Israel. So many wonderful things. Probably some of you don't know even Yoel and Eva Ratz uh, from Israel, who are part of our leadership here at Bethlehem, came to faith in Messiah under the ministry of Arian Shir Sokram in the ministry of Maoz. Uh, and, uh, and so what a blessing that is. We are blessed even in many ways, more than you know. Uh, and so we also pray our blessing upon the Fergusons in this uh, final part of this transition and, and for what God has for the next. Amen? Amen. Amen. So wonderful. I'll let Michael close this in our service. We're going to have a closing song. We'll have the ironic blessing. It's just going to be wonderful. I'm glad you tuned in here today. I'm glad you all came. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin. Please like, subscribe, and share this link with a friend. We would be grateful to receive your tax-deductible gift to further the good news of Messiah Yeshua. To make a contribution, please click on the PayPal link in the description. Also, to view our regular services, click the link in the description for our YouTube channel. If you would like more information about Yeshua the Messiah or how you can become part of our Bethlehem family, please visit our website at www.bethlehem.org. 
That's B-E-T-H-H-A-L-L-E-L dot O-R-G. Or call 770-641-3000. If you are in the metro Atlanta area, please visit us for an Arab Shabbat service, Friday nights at 8 o'clock, or Shabbat services, Saturday mornings at 11. God bless and shalom. Nine, nine, nine.